Hey, welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Check us out on the web at missiodeschicago.com. It takes us into a place where we can 
say, man, I was really afraid to do this before, but his grace has come and actually given me wind beneath my wings. You are the wind beneath my wings. So many opportunities for songs there are today. One of the crazy things about pride is it makes it hard to receive anything. You ever tried to buy a Christian sandwich? No, 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 no. Just receive it, receive it, man. Just receive. Sometimes it can be so hard to receive because it, it can say that we are weak. But those know that when they are weak, they're actually strong in God. We know that when we actually are walking in a place where we don't seem to have everything together, we are right where he wants us to be. You ever, if you have a feeling that that where you are at this point, you are right where he wants you to be. You are like putting in his, hand, his hands, malleable and willing to receive what he has for you. But when we know everything that's going on, that's when we know we know nothing that's going on. He gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. So many times in our pride, we're walking forward and like hitting ourselves against something, and the natural thing is just to keep doing it, but sometimes you just got to go a little lower. We can be humbled or we can be humiliated sometimes. Oh, I feel so bad, God, why does this have to happen? But when you understand exactly why he's doing what he's doing, then it makes a lot of sense. When I was in middle school one time, I, um, you know, doing what kids do in middle school, and me and these, this guy was just um, all these guys who were just playing around and like squirting ketchup in each other's backpacks. <laughs> Don't have people. And just running and you know, pushing each other over or whatever. I tore this dude's, I, I pulled this backpack from this dude and tore the handle off of it. Homie smacked me in the face. And what did I do? I started crying. <laughs> Not counting people's sins against them. 
not keeping a list. Love keeps the record of wrongs. They say that at every wedding, and then eventually you get to marriage and you start keeping a record. <laughs> Did you read 1 Corinthians 13? No. <laughs> we can keep a record so many times, but it's not counting it. It's having a short memory about people's mistakes, but having a long memory about God's grace. That makes sense? Understanding that he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud with everything that's in him. And I don't know about you, life has all of its obstacles and all of its peaks and valleys, and I don't want to be messing with God's um, resistance. <laughs> what is going on? I just can't, can't seem to get any traction. And what's, well, his hand might be there. His resistance might be there. How about humbling yourself and understanding that maybe we don't know everything. It, it comes from the premise of if I'm holding someone's mistake over them, I don't understand that maybe I have committed the same mistake, I am committing the same mistake, or I will in the future. It's knowing that it's by His grace that we all go. It's by the Lord's grace that we get to do everything that we get to do. And Sometimes it's hard to walk away from a fight. Sometimes it's hard to walk away from a person who is, you know, who you want to say, look, you did this, I was right. Just admit I'm right. Everything will be easier. <laughs> I don't, I'm not doing it. I'm not. But verse 6, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. Give you grace and exalt you in due time. How do we appreciate those who can do nothing for us? Mother Teresa, who's obviously qualified to speak about humility, said these are a few ways that we can practice humility. To speak as little as possible of oneself, to mind one's own business. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Not to want to manage other people's affairs, to avoid curiosity, to accept contradictions and correction cheerfully. Woo, man. I'm so glad you told me that about myself. <laughs> I'm happy about it. <laughs> to pass over the mistakes of others, to accept insults and injuries, to accept being slighted, forgotten, and disliked, to be kind and gentle, even under provocation. Never to stand on one's dignity, to choose always the hardest. She lived this as her life. Like, that's why she was a beast. Now, apparently, it's a story about her. They would get a delivery of shoes to the orphanages for all the kids, and she would dig to the bottom of the pile and get the worst pair to wear. And her, foot, her feet were in a horrible condition because of it. Always choosing someone else above herself. And so many times we can have our eyes on ourselves and we don't know that we are called to be salt and light, which I love to say, salt and light are created for other things. They work best when applied to other people or to other things. And I think that there's something that happens with us in private with the Lord that causes us to develop this sense of, of humility and of honor 
not to. Talks about in verse 6. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Not self, self-exaltation that happens before you're ready to handle it. God is like, you know, I could give you a million dollars, but it would probably kill you. And you would probably never talk to me again. So you know what? I'm going to keep the million dollars and keep you. And one of the longest words, the longest phrases in the scripture is, in due time. (laughs) I was looking for a specific time, God. Not just in due time. Can you tell me, is it on a Tuesday or what? In due time, my son. <laughs> in due time, man. When is when is my when is my destiny gonna happen? When is when is my dream gonna happen? When is when is all these things that I prayed about, dreamt about, my parents have prayed about, dreamt about, invested in me to go to college, invested in my life and have me travel all over the world? When is when is that gonna happen? Right now? Okay. Um, what about now? In 1 Samuel 24, 1-6, through 6, after Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert of Engedi. So Saul took 3,000 able men from all of Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul wanted to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. But David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off the corner of his robe, and he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his David in a picture of letting the Lord exalt you. Of course, David is conscious stricken by man, and we know later on in the story, he doesn't even get conscious stricken about having a man's um, a man's wife and having him killed. That's another message about his conscience getting to a certain place where that was possible. But here he is, conscience-stricken for having cut off Saul's robe. And he says, I cannot do it, for he's the Lord's anointed. The truth of the matter is, the anointed had left Saul. David was anointed king. His buddy is like, this is your time. Take it. Exalt yourself. He's like, no. In due time. David's in due time was 17 years. Moses' in due time was like 80. Abraham's in due time was like 25 years. 75, you're going to have a son. What? Okay. And in the midst of it, he tries to do it himself. He exalts himself. He says, I have this slave girl who can probably bear a child. So, we'll have a child. But there was something in David that said, no, I cannot touch the Lord's 
anointed. Something in us that sometimes dangles the things in front of us and we know it is not our time to receive it or to take it. But he says, humble yourselves and in due time I will exalt you. Because I think we think that God is trying to put us in an ideal situation. No, he's not. That he is trying to place us in this paradisical, I don't even know if that's a word. I just made it up. <laughs> paradisical, idyllic situation where everything is going to work out. We're going to have everything we need. And did you know that he's actually putting the treasure inside of you? And he's giving you all your experiences, all your disappointments, all of your promises that haven't reached their apex because he is putting it inside of you. He is not forming some Lego universe around you so everything will be perfect and you don't have to worry about mistakes. He is making you resilient enough to be able to manage and navigate the obstacles of the world. Because as we know, things around us change and transform in a second. People lose jobs, people die, people get sick, people, all these things happen. He makes us resilient so that we can navigate it with peace, with power, and trusting him in our humility. Trusting the Lord and leaning not to our own understanding. David's in due time was 17 years. He was anointed.
what he's actually said to you. And posture yourself to see what he's going to do. You prophesy to yourself. You talk to yourself. What? Like, means I'm a crazy person. You encourage yourself. God, oh, I know this is going to happen. I told somebody recently about when we were having trouble figuring out where we were going to meet as a church plant. As a church plant. All these doors were closed and nobody wanted us to meet anywhere. So I had like a stand and a Bible. So I set it up in my room and started preaching to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> she really loved the message too. <laughs> I set it up and started preaching. I started prophesying my future. I know it sounds crazy, doesn't it? What else you, you got to do in the meantime? Be frustrated? It's actually supposed to increase your expectation and your excellence in the middle. So you're supposed to be traveling the world. You're supposed to be this amazing. Okay, go to the ticket counter. Yes, I have a first class ticket to Spain. <laughs> These are the ways that we start to prophesy our future. And I know it sounds weird. We, sound, we serve a God that we can't see. It doesn't need to get any weirder. Samuel anointed David. He wasn't no king. It took him 17 years, but he was speaking into existence what was called to happen. He is not, Jesus is not attempting to make a paradise spring up around you. He is building that in season and out of season within you, this is where the kingdom will happen. Leo Tolstoy has a book, and it has the best title ever. It's called The Kingdom of God is Within You. Because the kingdom comes when we show up in the fullness of who God has created us to be. That is our humility becomes the patience in the middle. The patience while you're waiting, while you're chewing on your nails and frustrated and uh, in due time, all right, all right, in due time. It increases the anticipation and expectation what God is going to do. We win that in, internal way of serving and loving each other. Remember that His grace is in the middle. God doesn't really need our help, our defense, or our worship. But it does something to us Genesis 49 and 10. Jacob is blessing his sons. He says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until shadow comes, and to him shall be the obedience of his people, binding his donkey to donkey to the vine, and his donkey's coat to the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine, and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes will be darker than wine, and his teeth whiter than milk. What does that mean? Judah, nor the ruler's staff from the 
Lord shall come and the obedience of the nations shall be his. Some call him the desire of nations. He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. He will wash his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes will be darker than wine, and his teeth whiter than milk. He's talking about Jesus. How does he? Okay, donkey to the vine, colt to the choicest branch. His robes colored in the blood of grapes. Talk about Jesus. Jesus entering Jerusalem on a donkey, on a colt even. Jesus is the vine. Jesus is the branch. This Jacob prophesied this into Judah, the actual line that Jesus is born from. Okay, that, that makes a little sense. And I think that his ability to see that in his son is amazing. And knowing that think going through 1 Peter which if you could sum 1 Peter up into one word what word would it be? Hope? Maybe more like suffering. Hope in suffering. And he says your robes will always be colored with the blood of grapes. You see in the midst of prideful avoidance of pain, we know that humility is our inheritance. And that brings us into royalty. We don't have to worry about choosing a way that's not for everyone. We don't have to worry about choosing a way that doesn't remember ourselves because we know that God is building us into a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He's, this is what's happening right there. We're in that line. We're in the line of Judah. And something happens when we trust in his power to work out the promises that he speaks over our life. Just as the same way that Jacob spoke these promises over all of our sons, the pro promises that he's spoken over our life, he will work out. Trust in his power. Trust in his hand over you. Who is he to you? Who is his character to you? Who has God called you to be? Because his character in the middle is who you believe he is. Is he hiding from you? Is he keeping the things that you need from you? Humility is trusting in his plan and leaning on him. He will exalt you. Turn to 1 Kings 18, please. It's my son's birthday today, so I had to talk about Elijah at least a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> little man. He woke up this morning like, <laughs> everybody get up, I gotta open my gifts. <laughs> my wife was like, you gotta wait till everybody else wakes up. So I got up, he was like, thank you, daddy, for waking up. <laughs> First Kings 18:27. This is a showdown and go down. Elijah is crazy, <laughs> but in the most godly way. And he is showing off against 450 prophets of Baal. So I'm going to read this kind of a long, long part, but this will be between 27 and 39 in chapter 18. 
So it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and saying, cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is meditating or he is busy or he is on a journey or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they cried aloud and cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances until the blood gushed out on them. And when the midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the eating sacrifice, but there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took the twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, in whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seeds of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. And he said, Fill four water parts with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And then he said, Do it a second time. And then he did it a second time. And he said, Do it a third time. And he did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar. He also filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the very time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. And the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the work of the, and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Imagine him having this showdown with these prophets. And my favorite part is the beginning when he's talking smack. <laughs> Elijah said to them, cry loud for he's God. Either he's going to meditate or he's busy. And I think sometimes that the enemy talks a lot of smack to us. How much smack do we talk back? He says a lot of lies and he says a lot of untruths. How often are we speaking the truth to him instead of just accepting it? But Elijah in his humility trusted in the power of God. How long was the moment between he said, all right, God, show up on my behalf. How long was that? It doesn't tell us. I'm sure they wanted to put in due time in there, but they didn't. But it's like, he's waiting. <laughs> he didn't set all this up. He didn't mock people. Like, he didn't set himself up for either tremendous failure or tremendous success. And he says, show your people that the word you spoke to me is truth. And many of us are waiting on that fire to fall. And you're starting to doubt the word, the original word that he gave you. And don't you know that a father who speaks in love, who gives you a promise in love, will make it happen. Amen. And humility is trusting and leaning on him that we don't have to do it ourselves. Yeah. Let me do it myself. Let me do it myself. I have power to do it. And God's like, I created the world. Don't think I need your help at all. Lean not on your own understanding, but trust in the Lord. Wait on him 
to send the fire on the sacrifice that is your life, that has been your life. He's seen all the things that you've done, all the mistakes that have happened, all the ways that you floundered trying to make your way towards him, or all the mistakes you floundered and made trying to make your way away from him. He's seen all that. Yet and still, his purposes and his plans and his love for you is just. He loves you so much. In Luke 9, 46, it says, Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them, taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but welcomes the one who sent me. Every message needs to be grounded in Jesus. It needs to find itself reflecting the life of Jesus. If it doesn't, but it needs to find itself grounded in the life and the message of Jesus. And this could easily be a message that's like, everybody should serve, everybody should be humble, everybody should like sign up right now to serve empty kids. That's not what this message is. This message is knowing that humility is our inheritance as believers. That pride is just not in our toolbox. And if it is, then we very often find our way often somewhere. Anxiety is a good way we find ourselves as too much of the solution. We have not given God any room for training. We have filled the cup all the way to the top. I got it, man. I got it. Ooh. You got it. All right. But when you lean on God, and understanding in due time. In due time. Don't be frustrated. Increase your excellence. Prophesy what he's spoken to you. Wait on him. Trust that he's, the fire will fall. The fire will fall. If you, if you don't give up. The last slide is a picture. But this is a picture that is of the 20th anniversary and was taken by the Hubble telescope and it's of the Carina Nebula. And I was looking at it, I'm like, that looks like a hand. And, you know, so I was looking at it, I'm like, that looks like a hand, that's crazy. So the Carina Nebula is a galaxy where stars are created and are made. So when I was thinking about this verse, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and in due time he will exalt you. This creator is not just created and let everything roll along. He is still in the midst of creating so much. It's a place where stars are made. I'm like, why does it look like a hand, a profile of a hand? That's crazy. But knowing that God is still creating on our behalf, he doesn't just let the world go in its own stead, but we can trust in his power. And we know that when we lean on him, the 
the person that you will bring it, everything into fruition. You want to come up here? Or worship team? Worship team. joy of humility will be 